So as our kids are exiting, I wanted to start out this morning by asking you a question, and that is, why on earth did you get out of bed this morning on this nice, rainy, overcast day and come to church in the first place? Don't say it out loud, because it might be your mom grabbed you and threatened to bring you in your pajamas, uh, so if that's you... I wanted to give, there's lots of reasons to come to church. Hopefully, as we were just singing, that the the reason that you came was to experience the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. There's a Gallup poll done not too long ago that kind of gives a little bit of the reasons why Christians go to church, you know, and and for 23% of them, it is for spiritual growth and guidance. For another 20%, they say it keeps them grounded. Uh, 15% say because it's my faith, you know, so it's almost like they're obligated to do that. Another 15% say to worship God. I hope that's why you came to church today, was to worship God. Uh, another 13% say because of fellowship. 12% say because they believe in God, that they're religious people. And another 12 say that they were brought up that way. Now, you can see there's the full gamut of why people choose to come to church, you know, up there. But I pray that the real reason you came to church was to experience God in a unique way, that your soul would be touched this morning as you came to church. Last week, we looked at the, the concept of spiritual gifts, and we looked at the word uh, that is used in the original language. It's one word that we translate into spiritual gifts, and, and we suggested that though it doesn't translate well into English, that the, the spiritual gift that God or gifts that God gives each follower of Jesus is really meant not just so that we can edify one another and give God glory, but so that we can experience God in a way that we just wouldn't outside of using that gift. You've heard me say numerous times before that there, there ought not be any bench warmers in church because and the reason is if all you do is come to church, sit in the pew, take a good nap, and go home, um, you're not going to experience God very much. But when we're serving in that gift mix that God gives us, we get to experience God. And so this week, I want to look at how we can experience the Holy Spirit in church. Next week, we'll kind of look at how we experience God in our spirit and in our circumstances. Yeah, but I, I want us just to kind of take a look at how, when we come together as the body of believers, how we can experience the Holy Spirit while we are here. And so there's two primary ways that we can experience God, uh, experience the Holy Spirit in church. The first is the gift of prophecy. And this, the second is words of wisdom or knowledge. Now, let me just say right out of the gates, for all you Baptists, sit down. It's not what you think. All right, we, we have a tendency, and rightly so, is uh, to maybe misunderstand. When I say a gift or prophecy, I'm not talking about foretelling the future, you know, so you can rest easy. What I am talking about is those people that have a gift of using God's Word in the right way, at the right time, in the right circumstances, in somebody else's life, not even knowing what's going on in their life. That's what I would say the gift of prophecy is. J.D. Greer defines it as this, the act of proclaiming God's word to people in particular situations. So have you ever come to church with a burden that you're bearing that you have shared with no one or just a few people? And when you come to church, either the Sunday school lesson or the sermon you felt were written specifically for you? Well, that's kind of what we're talking about here. But specifically those who have the gift of prophecy are are able because of their knowledge of scriptures and by the way the more scripture that you hide in the heart the more scripture that you memorize the more God can use you in this way but they have the ability in a certain circumstance just to hear the Holy Spirit in, in their mind to communicate a word of God 
from God's word to somebody at the right time, the right way, in the right circumstance. That's what we're talking about, the gift of prophecy. So you can imagine as we come to church, each of us looking to use our gifts so that we can experience God, that in the process, others might get to experience God in a way that they wouldn't if we weren't using our gift. And so this is one of those, those areas that uh, when we come to church that we can be incredibly encouraged in. Um, you know, some, some people just have an amazing gift of doing this. One of my, my close friends who uh, I actually speak to on the phone every Wednesday at 2 o'clock, he was an associate pastor in a church that I grew up in. He's been a missionary in Mexico for 15 years, and so we talk on the phone every, every Wednesday at 2. So if you come looking for me, uh, you're probably not going to find me because a lot of times I even vacate the building so I can spend time talking to him. But I would say that Neil has the gift of prophecy. As I'm sharing with him things that are going on in my life, he, he will say something like this. You know, Dave, that reminds me of a passage of Scripture, and he'll just start quoting it. And so as he's quoting it, I'm turning to it. And it's, it's always amazing to me how appropriate it is at that time. And he's not saying, hey, Dave, I've got a gift, a word of prophecy. He's not saying any of that. It's just very humble. Naturally, he just says, you know, that just reminds me of this. That's what we're talking about in the gift of prophecy. And, you know, I can't wait to talk to him on the phone. And normally that hour goes by so fast that I, I'm looking at my watch going, oh, my goodness. You see, with people that have that gift, they're normally very humble uh, they allow God to speak through them as they are in a conversation. They're constantly in prayer of the Holy Spirit saying, let me hear what it is that you want me to hear. Give me something to say only if it's coming from you. And as they're praying about that, the Spirit confirms and then they share. That's the gift of prophecy that we're, we're talking about. And so you can imagine that what a church would look like if people had that gift. Now, you might be saying, well, you know what, you know, that's a special gift, and it is. It is a special gift that God gives a few, but Paul seems to indicate that much like evangelism, I would say evangelism is a gift that is supernaturally given to a few that do phenomenal with that. It seems like every time they share the gospel, somebody's coming to faith in Christ, while at other times, you know, uh, those of us who are, we're all commanded to share the gospel, we don't have the same results, but we're all commanded to share the gospel. It seems to me in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that Paul's suggesting that many people in the church can from time to time have a gift of pro or or the words of prophecy to share with somebody while some are supernaturally gifted. And so if you'll turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, let's read verses 20 through 25. And I, I specifically want you to see as we get down, I believe, into verse 23, the impact that it has on the unbeliever. That's why I want us to emphasize our, our time looking at. So 1 Corinthians 14, 20 through 25, it says this, Brothers, do, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, by people of strange tongues and by lips of foreigners will I speak to this people, and even if they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, Why prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say, you're out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever and outsider enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. 
how awesome would it be to be a part of a church where we knew God's word so well and we were continuing to learn how to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives where as we're even having a conversation with someone, we're in prayer saying, Holy Spirit, if you have something for me to say, then bring a passage of scripture to my mind. If he brings something to our mind, we humbly present that. If he doesn't, we remain quiet. Imagine what it would be like when we're, we're come together you know, and, you know, I don't think we'd have to wake up on a Sunday morning and go, eh, do I want to go to church? If, if our church was like that, that everybody was looking to edify one another and glorify God by yielding to the Holy Spirit, it'd be a place that we couldn't wait to come. If when we came together, we were sharing the words of testimony in our lives, you know, as, as we, we encourage y'all to do words of proclamation before we talk about praises and prayers, that we, we proclaimed God's glory as it was evidenced in our life this week, as we yielded to the power of the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't be able to wait to hear what God did that week and we would come. I would even say this, that it would be better than the Sunday school lesson and better than the sermon to hear what God is doing in our lives as we go out and be the church in the community. But imagine coming and knowing as I do on Tuesdays that just about every time I am going to be blessed and encouraged by the word of God because somebody spoke truth into your life. How awesome would that be? But I want you to see, we'll go through each one of these one at a time, what happens to the unbeliever when they witness this. Here's what Paul is saying, that they will be convicted by all. That as they come to church and we are being the church together, that we are edifying one another and we are encouraging one another with words of God and the unbeliever is observing this, here's what Paul says, they're going to be convicted by everybody that's there. Now you might be going, well, how's that going to work? So imagine this, that you come to church on Sunday and you've got some big burden and you, don't even, you haven't shared it with anybody. And somebody comes up and says, you know, brother, I see, you know, just something's really bugging you. You know, anything I can be in prayer for. And they begin to ask some questions. But at the same time they're asking the question, they're praying for God to reveal something to them. See, that's how God's spirit works. If we would get ourselves out of the way and, and get rid of these canned programs that we have to march through and just simply yield to the Holy Spirit as we are asking a question and asking the Holy Spirit to let us see and let us hear what's really going on, what happens most of the time is some amazing stuff takes place. And so they may share something, you know, and, and then another question comes from the power of the Holy Spirit that takes it deeper. And all of a sudden, you got maybe some other people that are coming around and saying, you know what, it's crazy. I just read this this morning. Let me turn to this. And they turn to the Word of God and they read this verse and it's speaking truth into somebody's life. And all of a sudden now you almost got this assembly of people that are going together and speaking truth in somebody's life. They throw the Sunday school lesson out the window, you know, and, and they're just going with the power of the Holy Spirit and lives are touched. The unbeliever that might be in there is watching this. And here's what Paul says. They're convicted. Here's what I want you to notice. You know, some of us grew up in hellfire and brimstone churches where, you know, you are being told all the time that you're a sinner and you need to confess and all those things. And I know some people really enjoy that, but consider the unbeliever. If they came into a church service like that, do you think they'd come back? Probably not, but I want you to notice what Paul's saying. When we are the body of Christ and we are yielding to the Holy Spirit and speaking truth into one another's lives with the, the word of God as the unbeliever witnessed this, did you catch this? They're convicted. 
We don't have to call out their sin. They're convicted because of what the Holy Spirit is doing in their life. As John 17 says in verses 7 through 9, that the Holy Spirit's job is to convict the world of sin. We don't have to do that. We, we, you, we can take that off the plate. You know, and, and as we're just being the church and being who God has called us to be, the Holy Spirit will do that. The second thing that Paul says in here is that they will be judged by all or they will be called to account by all. As we are loving one another with the word of God and reaching out, the Holy Spirit continues to convict that person of their sin. You know, They might have come thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. I'm not perfect, but I'm pretty good as they're in the presence of the Holy Spirit at work, what begins to happen in their life is there's conviction and there's a calling to account that all of a sudden their sin takes on a totally different magnitude than it ever has before in their lives. And it's all the Spirit's work as we are yielding to the Spirit in one another's lives. The, you know, as we are giving testimony of the gospel as it transforms our lives, as the gospel as we seek to fulfill the mission of multiplying disciples, and we're sharing stories of what God has done throughout the week, this unbeliever is just listening, and the Spirit is doing something inside of him that you and I couldn't do. And the third thing that happens is amazing to me. It says, this is what Paul says, the secrets of their heart are disclosed. Wow. I'm learning more and more and more to just ask questions. Uh, and, and more and more as I'm in conversations, and I'm getting better at it. I'm not real good at it but because I'm trying to be a good listener. But at the same time, I'm praying the whole time to the Holy Spirit and I'm asking the Spirit to reveal to me things that I can't see, that He'll allow me to hear things that I can't hear, that He'll lead me down a way that I can't do on my own. You know, and so as I am praying and I'm in prayer, that God begins to do things. And normally what's happening is I'll ask one question, and I'm asking the Holy Spirit to give me a second question based upon whoever they answer the first one. And you can see that there's no plan going into this. And what happens then, it leads to another question, and a deeper question, and a deeper question. And see, that's what happens. I believe this is what was happening in the early church. These people were uneducated. They were unschooled. And I've said this over and over and over, and I really feel that it is true in that biblical education sometimes does more damage than it does good. And this is what I mean by that. When our biblical education becomes what we trust in rather than the Holy Spirit, it does more damage than is good. These people were totally committed to Jesus Christ. They understood their word. They were yielded to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit did stuff in these people who were uneducated that was so much more than us that are educated. And so, you know, even as I look back at the early times of ministry that I was involved in, some of the, some of the things where God blessed the most was at the beginning where I had no idea what I was doing. You know, and I think back to one particular Bible study when I was still training out in, in California. I was training with a, a college track team, and we had a Bible study right before practice. You know, I didn't realize at the time that that was the dumbest time to pick to have a Bible study. It, it made no sense. You know, athletes right before practice are either eating or sleeping to get, them, get their bodies ready for practice. They don't come to a Bible study the hour before practice. And we did the Bible study outside. And here's the crazy thing. The guys who became the biggest recruiters, we'll actually see this play out in Paul's text here in a minute. The guys who became the biggest recruiter for these Bible studies were those who didn't know Jesus. Because the very things that Paul's talking about here in this text, they were experiencing throughout this study. The Holy Spirit was showing up. It was amazing. We had 25 guys from one team, one track team, coming every week to Bible study. I had no idea what I was doing. 
See, when we yield to the Holy Spirit, he does amazing things. And so when we, we are allowing the Holy Spirit to work, he begins to reveal secrets in people's lives that sometimes he might allow us to know what's going on in their lives. We ask a question, you know, that we feel the Holy Spirit saying and it unravels all this stuff that we had no clue about. But because we yield to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit begins to stir in our lives. And you know what happens a lot of the time? The very thing that is stirred up in their life usually has to do with something in your past that God's given you victory over. And not only do you get to give God's word, but do you get to give a gospel testimony of what God did to transform your life in the same situation and to give them hope that draws them. And you know what normally happens? And you give them an opportunity to accept Jesus, and it's amazing. You never get there without yielding to the Holy Spirit. And so we see all these things taking place in here. There's the conviction of sin. They're convicted by all. Their, their secrets are laid bare. And the first thing we see is that they, the next thing we see is that they fall on their face and worship God. When's the last time you saw an unbeliever come into a place and fall on their face and worship God? Maybe it's because we're not yielding to the Holy Spirit in our lives and doing, using our gifts to edify Him, edify one another and glorify Him. But when, when amazing things are taking place through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, then this stuff happens. You know, consider the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the same power that Moses experienced when he was in the presence of God. It's the same power that Peter experienced when he was walking on water. It's the same power that the disciples experienced at Pentecost. It's the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. And it's the same power that is still available to us today. But also consider what happened when Moses took matters into his own hands and hit the rock just like he did before. It didn't work. What happened when Peter decided that he could walk on water? He almost drowned. I would suggest the same thing as to us, that when we try to do it on our own strength, we mess it up. We yield to God and we say, God, you just need to show me what I can't see. And we know that he has shown up and we follow in obedience and he opens up the, literally the Red Sea for the Israelites. And he does the same thing in other people's life where there's this mess and you think this person's never going to come to Christ. And all of a sudden you just see the sea parted in their life. And all of a sudden they can see Jesus for the first time. Because we yielded. And yet we so often try to do it on our own strength rather than just letting the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. But here's the fifth thing that takes place that I saw happen in this Bible study that Paul says will happen when we do these things in the church. He says that they will declare that God is really among you. When they experience the power of God in their lives and all these things taking place, they may not be able to put their finger on what really took place, but they know that God was there. And then they go out in the community and say, you got to come to this place because I can't tell you what, but you just got to come. And that's what took place in this Bible study. The first year I was on staff at Campus Crusade, I had no clue what I was doing. I was just supposed to go out there and start a Bible study. And all of a sudden, boom, there's 25 guys. And they were all sprinters and jumpers that came to this thing. I, did, I had no idea what I was doing. It was a good thing because the Holy Spirit showed up then. Can you imagine being a part of a church like that? where we yield to the Holy Spirit, where we're in prayer all the time and we're, we're asking questions that the Holy Spirit we believe is put on our heart and we see the sea parted in people's lives and all of a sudden they're laid bare and they can see Jesus and we have an opportunity to share the gospel. That's some pretty good stuff. And so 
one of the reasons we ought to come to church is so that we can hear us having opportunities to praise God through the miraculous things he's done in our lives this week in the sake of the gospel, you know, so that we can experience the words of prophecy that people might have in our lives, but even so that unbelievers can see that. But there's a second thing that I want us to see with the time that we have left. It is called words of wisdom or words of knowledge. And, you know, Paul refers to this in, in 1 Corinthians. I'll read from the, the New King James Version. You know, in 1 Corinthians 12, 8, he says for this, for to one is given the, the word of wisdom. Them, you know, through the Spirit. To, to one another, the word of knowledge through the Spirit. Now, here's the problem, and here's where we get into trouble in, in some groups, you know, that want to define what this is. Paul doesn't really define what it is. He just says the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge is given to some through the Holy Spirit. And so, when he doesn't really define it, we have to be careful in what we make it to be. I think as you look through the rest of Scripture, probably one of the best examples of a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, is, is what we see in Acts, I believe, chapter 15, when the, the apostles come for the Jerusalem council. So you remember that there's all kind of Gentiles that have come to faith in Christ. The apostles would go in, Paul would go in, all these Gentile believers would come to Christ. After Paul left, the Judaizers would come in, and now they would say, ah, ah, ah you, you can't, you're not a Christian until you're circumcised. And so we have this division going on in the church, and so we come to the Jerusalem council where they're trying to decide, what do we do? You know, because our law has taught us that there has to be circumcision to become a Jew. Now we're not so sure. And so here comes the, the, the apostles together to the Jerusalem council to try to figure it out. Here's the thing. There was no specific passage of Scripture that said, okay, Gentiles don't have to be circumcised. There's nothing for them to go on scripturally to give them the answer. And so uh, they would come together, and I'd assume that there was lots of discussion. They're going to the Word of God, and they're praying. But we know as they came out, God had given them a word, which I would call a word of wisdom, that was based upon the scripture, based upon their time together, and based upon them collectively yielding to the Holy Spirit that Gentiles did not need to be circumcised to be Christians. Let's say that that's an example of a word of wisdom. You know, I get to see this working with our elders. You know, that we'll come in dealing with some, you know, things that we try to make a decision on, and sometimes it's very clear what the Bible says, and we do that. Other times, there's no specific scriptural principle to say, do this in this situation. And so, very similarly, as we have come in, you know, and, and all these men love God and have different spiritual gifts and different gifts and different experiences, and as we come in and we dialogue, normally it'll go something like this. And I would expect it at the Jerusalem Council, it was similar. There's various opinions, and we put those opinions out. We go to the Word of God, we spend time in prayer, and, and we're trying to sift it all, and then an idea comes. And I've seen it happen with our elders. An idea comes, and we all almost instantaneously go, that's it. I believe that's a word of wisdom that comes from God as you're spending time yielding to the Holy Spirit, asking the Spirit to show up, and God does that together. Now, let me just give you some words of caution uh, when it comes to words of wisdom or words of knowledge. Um, uh, so here's the biggest. A word of wisdom, knowledge, or word of prophecy will never, ever, ever contradict what God's Word says. Ever. And so we need to keep that importance. You know, J.D. Greer, uh, he gives some ground rules that I like, you know, for those who are sharing a, a word of prophecy. The first is this, never claim the authority of God on your words. 
Even if you feel the Holy Spirit is convicting you, never say, God told me to tell you this. Instead, maybe say something like this. You know, as I hear you talking, you know, I'm reminded of this. And maybe God is telling me to share this with you or not. I'm not sure. You'll have to discern that. And then you share humbly. And you share with a, hopefully, we'll see this in a second too, you share with God's word to back up what you have to say. There's lots of people that say, I've got a word from God for you. I actually had this happen at a men's retreat I was at in Alabama. And at the retreat, and we're at a, it was Saturday night, it was a time of confession, and I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm doing business with God and confessing, and I'm sitting there, and, and one of the leaders of the whole retreat, he came down, and he looks at me, locks eyes, and he walks right before me, and he says, brother, are you struggling with this sin? And he spells out a pretty significant sin, and I'm going, no, sir, I, you know, not to my knowledge, that maybe, maybe I need to be extra cautious about that. He said, you know what, I'm rarely wrong, which should have been a red flag. You're rarely wrong. And I said, seriously, sir, I appreciate you, you know, doing what you feel the Holy Spirit's sharing you do, but I'm, uh, honestly, I am not struggling, nor have I ever struggled with that sin. And he walked back. That was not a word of wisdom or knowledge from him because he was wrong. And so we have to be careful. We'll look at that in a moment. Uh, you know, on words for us, but prophetic speech is strongest when it's actually tied to Scripture. That if you feel you have a word from God, you need to make sure it's not contradicting Scripture, and normally they're always tied to Scripture in some way, shape, or form. Uh, th- here's a key thing. The gift of prophecy, uh, it always has a purpose, and that is for building up the church and guiding in the mission of the church. You know, so if you have a word of prophecy, it's going to be to build the body of Christ up and encourage us to fulfill the mission that God has given us. Uh, so some ground rules for receiving uh, words of wisdom or words of prophecy. If somebody comes up to you, it's, it's okay to be skeptical. I'm very skeptical, and I want to, okay, well, let, me, let me check this out. You know, with this guy, I knew right out of the gate that it, he, it, he was wrong. Uh, I was very respectable about it, but you, I would encourage you to ask some questions. Does this word contradict what God has said in his word? If it does, it's not from God. You know, does this word, uh, is it in accord with what I know God is doing in my life? You know, so if, if God is leading me in one direction, this person comes up and, and, and you're convinced you know what God's leading you in that direction. This person has something that's way out in left field. You need to be cautious. Thirdly, or for, you know, fourthly, you know, does this word glorify God? Or does it glorify the one giving the word? This is, this is a big one for me. You know, are they boasting in their gift? If they are, it probably isn't from God. Or are they humbly coming before you and saying, you know what, I'm not sure what this means, but I just feel I'm supposed to share this with you. Have you ever had that happen in somebody that they, you know, they call you up and say, I have no idea why, but last night God woke me up and you were all in my mind, so I prayed for you. You know, and as I was in the word today, I have no idea, but I, was, I just felt like I was supposed to read this verse to you. And they call you and read the verse, and it has to do exactly with what you're struggling with. That would be a good example of a word of knowledge that somebody's being obedient to what God says and to try to edify. I bring all this back to say this. When we are a body of believers who are seeking to yield to the Holy Spirit in our lives, if we're studied up, We've memorized God's word. In that moment, as we ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us, 
And if he has anything to say, he will use all those verses that we have memorized, the scripture maybe that we have just read that morning, you know, and he'll say, use it right here. And when we do, God is glorified, the body is edified. And what's amazing to me, according to what Paul's saying here, that when unbelievers see that, they're drawn to Jesus in ways that we can never draw them to. That's the kind of church God desires for us to be. It may be way out there for you. You know, the stuff we're talking about, yielding to the Holy Spirit, is new. All I encourage you to do as you're talking to somebody, maybe just this week be in prayer. God, is there anything here that I need to hear that I'm not going to be able to hear on my own? Or is there anything that I need to observe? Is there a question I need to ask that you're going to reveal something so that we can see the, the seas and the storms in people's lives depart so that they can get a little bit closer to Jesus? If that's your desire, as we sing this last song of invitation, I just pray that you would make that known to God, that you would, throughout this week, make, just make some times to intentionally be in prayer, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal things in you that you would never be able to find out on your own so that God can be glorified. And as we come back together next week, that we can still tell stories of what God did in our lives, through our lives, and hopefully, how we can make God's glory known in somebody else's life. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the privilege that we have to come and to, to study your word, the privilege that we have to, to be able to worship you. God, I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, Lord, but more so the power that he wants to reveal in our lives. And so, God, I pray that you would help each of us to yield to the Holy Spirit this week in ways that we never have. God, that we would be in constant prayer asking the Holy Spirit to reveal things. And God, that we would yield, as weird as that may be, that we would yield. And Lord, I pray that as we do so, that you would reveal your glory in our lives in ways that we have never seen. Lord, that you may help us to be a part of seeing you open up people's lives and understanding and willingness to accept you as their Lord and Savior. And God, in so doing, embolden this church to be what we couldn't be otherwise. Embolden this church to be ones who are constantly making your glory known. And Lord, that we come together on Sundays proclaiming your goodness in our lives in ways, Lord, that even when unbelievers see, they're drawn to you. We pray all this in Jesus' name.